on, everybody, and thank you for joining us back here on the Boot Sports Network for another episode of Boots to Balls. What's going on, everybody? The gang is all here. We've got producer Brett Robles in-house with us today. We've got... What's that? I'm out of champagne. I drank it all already. There we go. He's been celebrating. Well lubricated. Well lubricated. And there might be some things worth a celebrate. We'll get into that here very, very shortly. And then uh, we've got the man with the master hair plan, the one and only super fan, Donald Dunn. What's going on with you, my friend? Episode 20. Whoever thought it would actually go this far. I mean, I mean. And thank you all very much for joining us here on episode 20. If you don't know me, I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. Pardon me for not going too big. Uh, definitely went big this weekend. Mm-hmm. So a little horse and dealing with a little bit of the, uh, which is why we are hanging out here in uh, the live stream and uh, not doing things live at uh, Echo Tango. But we do want to send a very quick shout out to Tommy Tally and yep. the crew over at Echo Tango. I know it's been a hot minute since we've come by to say hi. We still love you. We haven't forgotten about you and we will be back there before you know it. Speaking of before you know it, mm-hmm. uh, we need to just jump right into things. Because- I, I, I gotta say this. I gotta okay. say. On September 12th, and I have video evidence of this fact, I fact. sent a video to our chat of me saying Nick Saban will retire at the end of the season due to sources I have. We said we should not air the video. I'm only saying this to say that I called it. Dave, what happened? So, first and foremost, introduce the damn segment. <laughs> We're going to start talking about LSU news because there's a lot of big LSU news. Big LSU To the news. point that producer Brett made, yes, he did, in fact, send that video to us publicly uh, that said that he had some potential insider information that said Nick Saban could be looking at um, could be looking at retiring and uh, it it could have been due to the speculative nature of it it yeah. could have been due to exactly what was said in the video I don't exactly remember why I we decided speculative nature right now though no I mean, it is no longer speculative nature I would say speculative nature if I had some news, let me find my chair right there. They're <laughs> trying me not to say this. They're trying to I, get you to silence too quickly. If I, just some random 25 year old in Madrid, Louisiana, had some news of Nick Saban's require, retirement, what did, I don't know, did ESPN have? What did all these broadcasters that are involved, and many of which are members and chairs of the college football playoff have? Did they know something that most of us didn't? Are you trying and to that say lead into the decision to snub Florida State? Exactly Specifically, what I, Brett Robles, not the Boot Sports Network, I am saying is I believe in my hearts of hearts, I can't prove it. But <laughs> you gotta keep it on. I have to say that I bet money. That if there's a report, if there was a reporting, or if I was in the room, someone somewhere probably said, "You know, guys, I know they almost lost to South Florida 
And I also know they lost to Texas. And I know they had to cheat, and we couldn't call targeting for them to beat LSU. But it's Nick Saban's last year, guys. Let's let him out on a high note, guys. Let's get it. Let's give him one more chance. And I bet that's why they made it into the CFB and not Florida State. So I, I love entertaining your theories, but to that particular theory, I will say this: if it were in fact a thing. And the fix was in, knowing that this was going to be Saban's last season, and somebody was going to throw him a bone. Why not throw him the biggest bone of all and let him go out on top? As much as I don't like what he has done since he left LSU, I can't deny that he is like the Tom Brady of college football championships. I think he has consistently won more than any other coach in the same time span, or if not ever. Why not let him win one more and then he retires on top, if if the theory were true? I'll tell you exactly why. Because they they tried to let him win one more. I don't know if you watched that Michigan game, but the (laughs) amount of holdings they didn't call on Bama, man. Um, I think they tried every trick in the book to try to give him that one last one. But I think, shout out to Michigan, they, to quote my friend Christian last year from the 2022 LSU-Bama game, today LSU did not just beat Bama, they beat Bama and the Zebras, also known as the referees. And I I think Michigan did that as well. I think Michigan, uh, who should not be compared with the 2019 football team, just throwing that out there, controls. Um, I think they were a great team, and I think they were great enough to beat both Bama and the refs. I think they, the fix was in, but when when you're caught in 4K HD on live TV, it's very hard to fix things as much as you'd like. So I will say this. Brett, I am sorry for not believing in you then. And the next time you come to us, with news of Nick Saban's retiring, I will believe it 100%. Even his unretiring. Um, I, I do want to say this much, though. Um, a lot of channels, a lot of networks and YouTube channels for the next month, if not months, if not years, if not decades, are going to parrot the same message. Nick Saban wants to go. Nick Shaman, let's love Nick Shaman, blah, blah, blah. And, and all their, they're going to ride his coattails and his fame and what little successes he had um, to views, clicks, documentary pieces, video essays, and all whatever. But I do want to point out a little few things about his career reflecting upon his retirement. First, starting with his time at LSU. Yes. I got to say, uh, Nick Saban, much like Ed Ogeron, walked in on a pretty good program. Uh, I think, with the exception of Ed Ogeron, when it comes to LSU, is the luckiest man in show business, with those two being obsessions to Rigo Stock. Um, he didn't make Taft. Taft was made by the coach, Dole. I want to make sure I pronounce you this right. Do it. You know how to do it. I, I wrote down the why is of course say his phone. first name. Oh, that's all I did. My For, phone is. Being you want to help him, Dave? 
No. What's his first name, and I'll get the last name. Why big J, it's Big J Boy. My phone is. Nick Saban has packed my phone, and it For won't the let me in. Those at home, Jerry DiNardo. It literally won't let me in. What? What? Whatever. That that has never happened before. The deep hacking is truly ESPN. ESPN is owned by Disney and the one percenters that might even own Verizon or whatever but, cell service. Uh, I, gotta I, say, I gotta say it. DiNardo, correct? Yes, yes yeah. DiNardo. DiNardo made half and pushed for night games. Also, he recruited the vast majority of the team for Saban's 2003 championship at LSU. And I have insider information from mm. people who worked with Saban at the time family friend Carla, who said we can use her name. Shout out to Carla. Also, a um, bunch of stuff that's super controversial I'm not going to bring up, but I'm just going to say Saban's not that nice of a guy. Uh, to use Carla's exact words, a chronic asshole. Uh, with that being said, people can be mean and be successful. It happens all the time. However, Nick Saban did not set up LSU's program for future success. In fact, he left it as a dumpster fire from inside sources. And if you look at the recruiting situation Les Miles was given, it's true. Les Miles, as much as we don't want to admit it, really rebuilt LSU's program for success in the ways that we really haven't seen since the Les Miles era. And the Nick Saban era, while starting with success in 2003, was mostly due to Denario. Because he pushed for night games and pushed for path. Path led to money. Money led to attendance advertisements and ultimately more outreach more outreach means more recruitment furthermore nick saban is by definition not a great coach when it comes to the nfl career and i want to harp on that because when he went to the nfl the highest league of the sport he had losing seasons every time not to mention lying to all of lsu fans when he went over there and breaching his contract then what does he do to Miami? He lies to all their fans and breaches their contract. I don't know why there's all this conversation about me going to Alabama. I will not be that. I don't care how many times I have to say it. I'll not be the Alabama football coach. And then he went to Tuscaloosa, where he also inherited a sleeping giant program made of boosters, though which also had been cheated for 70 years. So, you know, I got to say, man, right place at the right time. How many calls and compilations are there on YouTube of Alabama ref calls? There are as many as there are NFL ref calls. But notice there's not many that many other teams. Now some say, oh, that's just people because of the success of Saban. A bad ref call is a bad ref call. It doesn't matter how many games you win. And well, you, when you start talking about Nick Saban and and being in bed with the refs a little bit. It's the exact same way a lot of us felt about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Yeah. When we get bounty gates, suddenly our coaches have to go away. Some initially suspended mm -hmm. indefinitely, some suspended for a year, some suspended for six months. Uh, but deflate gate happens in a year that uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots win a Super Bowl and Let's not do that anymore. Or like, the videotaping scandal, and it's like, well, coach that makes right. millions of dollars well, pay half so, a million dollars. He was wearing a Patriots jersey. He wasn't really trying to hide. And when you look at the flake gate, there wasn't that much evidence. And then when there finally was the evidence, the NFL looked at the balls for the Super Bowl that they won. So honestly, but when you look at something like Bama, where there's the clear 
targeting to Jaden Daniels, what happens? Literally nothing. At least something happened to the Patriots. And when you do that back for 10 years, you really start to question whether or not there is something going on with Saban. And more importantly, I mentioned the money. Look at him when he went to the pro sports of the NFL. Saban floundered as a failure in the NFL. In fact, his exact words from him to quote him in an interview, 30 for 30 by ESPN, he said, the NFL made him feel like a failure. Those are his words, not mine. With that being said, what happens in the age of NIL? Because let's be honest, there's no such thing as college football anymore. We are now in the era of minor league football, where the players are being, NIL was intended for players to be able to use their name, image, and likeness, but now it has transformed to them being paid by boosters. It's the sad reality we live in, but that's a conversation for another time. And in the age where it's a money game, where players are being paid by boosters and there's free agency through the transport portal, again, he floundered, nearly lost to South Florida, needed to have a bounty scandal when it came to uh, their targeting, when it came to LSU this year. Um uh, again, losing to Georgia two years in a row, oh, not even making it into the SEC West last year. Nick Saban cannot compete at the highest level of football when there's paid professionalism. It's just the truth. You look at him in the NIL era and look at him the only uh, year in the NIL era where he did have some semblance of success with the 2020 Bama championship was the COVID year that many people believe shouldn't even been counted, where Bama was actually found doing recruit with multiple recruiting violations, many of which went unanswered by any NCAA penalties. So you got to, due to the COVID um, uh, protocols. So, so you got to ask, if Saban can't compete at the highest level of the sport when players get paid and can't control them when he can't control the narrative, much of this covered in the 30 for 30 of the, uh, or sorry, the ESPN coverage of the um, his time at the Dolphins. You really got to ask, was he that great of a coach or was he in the right programs at the right time? So, Bill Belichick, was he a great coach or was he in the right program at the right time? I mean, look what happened. There will, was Brady. There will always be people who will uh, stand on both sides of the fence. As it comes to that, there are people who are going to stand by the facts and the facts are, you know, despite him being maybe less than a decent human, as it was inferred to, um, he still has more national championships than any other uh, coach in college football. You know, it's one of those things where people are going to remember him how they choose to remember him. And the fact of the matter is now that he has announced his retirement, we can all put him to rest. Indeed. Yes. We I can point out though, Yale has the most national championships of any college football team. But is Yale the GOAT? Which you wonder. If they really have the most national championships, then But you know who has more wins than Nick Saban? Mm. Ryan Kelly. Now you see, that's another fun really part we can talk okay, about. Okay, so let me ask real you quick, a question. real quick. Go ahead. Okay. So, whenever we had the Brian Kelly announcement, so forth and so on, it is understood that Brian Kelly has a larger win total on his own. However, Nick Saban's coaching totals have come with the number of 292, which is what he's going to be known for at this point, although the 292 is controversial. The question is, if he's going to stand on 292, 
and this is more of just a discussion point here, what logical sense does it make to retire when you're so close to joining the 300 club that you retire on 292? Um, number one... Well, hold on. Before you answer that question, Brett, is there a way that you can pass me that aluminum foil hat through the Discord? I'll just hold it up. (laughs) If only I had one of those. Indeed. What if... What if... Maybe just maybe... Whoever that said he was a less than decent human... Maybe on to something. And maybe... Just maybe... Somebody found out something and said, look, it's time to walk, or these lips get to, to walking instead. And all I'm going to say... I'm not saying that there is anything. I don't know anything. But there's so many... Like, we could speculate for days. We'll never know the real and I'm not going to say what I did or what I heard. I'm just going to say, during the Les Miles-Nick Saban rivalry, Les Miles and Nick Saban were very similar coaches. With that being said... Donald, I'm looking at his record, and I see 15 to 17 to 0, you know, when he was at the Dolphins. See, the thing is, though, just as a quick antidote, 15 and 17 ain't that bad. All time. All time. Winning percentage all time. It's about middle of the road. just shy of 500. It's about middle of the road. Now, I understand your purpose, so I'm not questioning it. But objectively, it's middle of the road. Um, now, objectively, what we do need to discuss is the fact of what will come from all this. We saw today LSU... One last thing to say, speculation-wise, and why... I I'll let you finish the eulogy of Nick Saban before yeah, we answer, close the casket and move on. To answer Dave's question, I, I can tell you why you would not want to get to that 300 mark. Easy. Nick Saban is not by no means bad health, at least publicly from what I know. I'm not going to act like I'm some necromancer or some crazy Professor X that can see mm. inside of Nick Saban's life. Maybe there's something there. I don't know. But from what I see on TV, he seems pretty healthy for his age. Very healthy for his age, actually. Uh, with the exception of his very embarrassing bald spot. With that being said, um, I bring this up because I don't think it's his health. And you would think you'd want to beat Bear Bryant's record at Bama, that which I believe is 300 wins. Am I right on that? Uh, it's yeah, Brer is above Nick, yes. Yes. I think the reason, if it's not for the reasons that me and Dave, or I, have already alluded to, I'll say I did, um, I would say it's probably as follows. He has struggled in the NFL to win with paying players, and more specifically, if you watch interviews of his players at the time, controlling the players, on-field and off-field conduct. Um, that's a struggle we've seen in the NIL era at Bama. And also, all of a sudden you see Sarkeesian, who's about to join the SEC. Sarkeesian, I think, has Saban's number. Last year, Texas only lost because they missed not one, not two, but three kicks from less than 19 yards away. Um, this year they beat him at home. Opening game. Uh, he almost lost to South Florida this year. Let's not forget. Last year, we beat them. This year, they got pretty lucky with those targeting calls. And I tr- and I can't prove it, but we'll even throw that speculation out there. You have LSU that's building Heisman candidates uh, seemingly every five years or so to the west of you. You have Sarkeesian to the west of you, who, like I said, seems to probably beat you regularly or play you very close regularly. 
then what do you got to your east? You got Kirby over there who's poaching talent and just one back-to-back natties right before this one. So then what do you see there? And has been, I think, in every SEC championship for five years now, almost. Yeah, and then on top of that, you see changes to the SEC. We're losing the division model. It's no longer who wins the division. It's mm. who wins the entirety of the SEC, meaning you have the potential possibly in the same season playing an LSU, a Georgia, and a Texas, a Texas wow. who coaches better than you, an LSU's coach who's arguably better than you, and a Georgia coach who's arguably better than you, who's beaten you a few times. All these people have. Gotta wonder, if you're Nick Saban, you maybe start to yourself, do I want to leave now and be remembered for what I've created, or do I want to retire with failure and miseries with call of my fire? And I think he made that call because I think he knows he's not that good of a coach to stay in this new environment. I think he knows that he can't win in that environment. And I, I'd do the same thing if I had walked with the success rather than being remembered as a has-been. There is a, the old adage that some people live long enough to see themselves become the villain. Indeed. Uh, instead of retiring the hero. And you know what? Maybe or dying the hero. And maybe, just maybe that is the case. It is a thing that folks will speculate for years and years to come. But I I think at this point, we have looked back on the past enough. Lord knows there's been enough hurt as far as um, LSU fans and how we feel about Nick Saban. So with that. The Benedict Arnold of football. We close the casket. We drop it six feet deep. We let it go. uh, And maybe we offer a... That he's gone and we don't have to worry about him anymore. But moving on. Indeed. In a world without Nick Saban in the SEC now. One, how does that affect the LSU-Alabama rivalry? Is Uh, hate still as vehement as it was before when there's no Nick Saban to hate? And that's, you know, that's an interesting one because you look at, and we've talked about this, LSU is not... Uh, geographically tied to their rival. LSU's rival is whoever's causing them a problem. LSU's rival is whoever wants to smoke. So, figuratively, Alabama right now has been the one who can best provide that action. But going forward, you have Texas. You have Texas A&M, which is a much more natural geographical tie-in. You have the potential for Florida to regain glory, probably not under Billy Napier, but you have the potential for them to regain their glory. You have these nuanced elements of LSU's history of people they just don't like. Frankly, we don't like anybody, and that's one of the best things about being an LSU fan is that you don't have to choose who to like. You can hate everybody. As long as you have that Go Tigers, there's somewhere in the world, someone there will be, hey, Go Tigers. And you already have your people. But what is going to be so unique is that with this new world, I think if there's a power vacuum and coaches start moving from major organizations, if you see one of the big, what we'll call ultra blue buds, if you see Ohio State, if you see Texas, if you see um, even a, you know, I'm not going to, I'm assuming Kirby doesn't move, but it's possible, you know, if any of these major programs have their coach stolen to go to Alabama, 
You're going to see the greatest domino effect ever in the fact of coaching history. You're going to see one after another. Okay, George is open. Got to go fill that. Clemson's open. Got to go fill that. And then it's going to be an entirely different landscape to start this new 12-team era. So the question is, are we ready to see what the only program with almost guaranteed stability, we will assume Georgia comes into that, LSU and Georgia, move into next year. Even even Michigan is worried about their coach going to the NFL. This is a, a very nice position for Tiger fans to be in right now. I, I got to say this. Number one, it's not going to be Kirby because Kirby's built different. He comes in an era before college football was turned into the minor league. He comes from an era where you choose where to go, not based off of money, but based off of passion. And he played for Georgia passionately. I think he's won that Georgia job his whole life. And he said very similar things in interviews. Kirby ain't going anywhere. I agree with that. On another note, Ryan Day, Ohio State is breathing down his neck. I think Ohio State fans are delusional because last year they were a pick away from beating Georgia. They certainly wouldn't have beaten TCU. But he hasn't beat Michigan in three years. And that is the only game that matters to Ohio State fans in the same way beating Bam under Saban is the only game that matters to us LSU fans, hmm. if not more so. So I could see it being Ryan Day because Ohio State may be trying to get him the boot, but hopefully the boosters aren't as delusional as the fans. But this is college football. We have fans down here that wanted Jaden gone week two, and he won the Heisman Trophy. However, I'm definitely seeing it be Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian has done something that was a meme for the longest time. He has brought Texas back to the spotlight. They might not be in the national championship, but they're in the playoffs, and they were very close to being in the playoffs last year. Um, With that being said, I don't see it being Lane Kiffin because he's lame for a reason, and that's because he goes for it on fourth downs that don't make sense. He can't get past that 10-win barrier, and every program he's been at, he's been a failure. But yet again, college football is about the only job where the prerequisite to work is failing somewhere else. So, what do you all think? I don't think it's just a, a college football prerequisite. I, I think if you want to look at football coaching from from a negative aspect uh i think that uh, yes coaching is one of those jobs that in order to get into it you had to have been released from somewhere else if you're good you don't get released they keep you if you're good um so yeah as as dark a statement as that might have been there is some validity to it undeniably so um it's it's very rare that someone just works their way up the coaching pole and they never have a a, a negative spot when they yeah. pop. Um, so there's that. Um, I I'll tell you honestly, I am more excited about how LSU looks to be shaping up. Oh, absolutely. While the rest of the division is kind of falling down around them. I wish we still had divisions because if we did with this news, we would be the SEC champs every year. Because if you still could be, if you look and I I had this conversation in the comic book shop the other day, I think out of the past decade, maybe three games 
of LSU Bama were not the deciding who's being the SEC West. Like that game almost every year was the deciding game. Who wins LSU um, Bama is going to the SEC championship. It was that every year, I think, with the exception of 2020, 2021, 2015, yeah. and 2017. So objectively, let's assume Alabama is going to lose 10% of players to transfer portal with a coaching change. Let's assume they lose 15% of recruits due to a coaching change. Is that enough to drop Alabama to a 9-3 and three program next yes. year? It, it, it depends on their coach. So would you say it would only be Day or Starkeesian that can keep them at the 11-1 territory? Yeah, Dion coming out of nowhere. It could be someone from the G5. In fact, I think Bama would probably choose a nobody. Um, Saban buying out his contract, though, might give him a ton of money. But I, I say this for this reason. In the age of free agency in college football, the days of four years for a rebuild are gone. Awesome. Brian Kelly is the best example of this. He comes to LSU with 32 scholarship players with, I think, six months to put together a team who beats a save in Bama and goes to the SEC West. The days of, oh, I need to recruit freshmen so that my team will be good in four years, gone. Someone could walk into Bama tomorrow, be like, hi, guys, we're Bama. We're the best in the country. You know this. I know this. I won somewhere else or have these stats on why they hired me. So you're staying at Bama. Hey, NFL pick here. Hey, whatever pick here. Because Bama, as much as it pains me to say this, is the dream job for so many in the college football industry. Bama is only the dream job for so many in the college industry if they can continue the winning ways. If they turn them into Vanderbilt, eh, eh. So, Let's take a moment here. Um, we got a couple comments uh, while we're on the topic of college football before we get moving to another era. Um, we have Ian who said that surprised as vocal as he was with the future of the SEC changes needed, and he went out with at least one win one opportunity to play this new sec that's a very interesting you know look at it you know he did basically shape what will become the new sec but he's never going to coach in it a bit of an interesting move there and then uh another commenter fancy vader uh said god shall shatter alabama and scatter the remnants to the wind and (laughs) you know we love you fancy we love you fancy you know it's gonna be it's going to be a fun one next season. I, and that's that's the thing that I'm most looking forward to. This was already going to be a purely uh, chaotic season for the, sac- uh, for the sake of the new playoff format, the new SEC format. Now you double down and you're bringing in an entirely new coaching landscape. This is this is this might as much as we thought twenty three was the best season of college football yet I think twenty four is shaping up to take it by storm. Twenty three is the best season of college football when two thousand seven exists, sir. Well, I'm but, just saying, you know, some people thought it was pre two thousand seventy, and one of them was named Brett. Twenty four is going to be very interesting, especially um, for fans of the SEC. I, I, I will have say this, and this is, this is a statement that affects both this segment and sadly our last segment, to say another part of the eulogy. And I'm going to say words that I never thought 
would come out of my mouth, and it really is going to hurt me to say these words. Nick Saban leaving college football may be the official death of college football. Oh, as much as I hate, as much as I hate the man, as much as I utterly despise him. Uh, if I was president, he'd be on the list to get Mo despise. And I, I say this because Nick Saban, to his credit, said a lot of good things that I agreed with when it came to conference realignment, when it came to NIL, when it came to the transfer portal. He often would look in the camera and go, just like this, is this really what you want college football to be? Is this, is this really what you want? I mean, I'll, I'll play it, but, but is this really what you want to turn college football in? Nick Saban question on point. I just need to. <laughs> and um, he's right. He, he's simply right. In, in a world of free agency where boosters play players and they don't go for passion or for the love of the game, but they go for fat stacks of cash and, and you, they'll play one year at Alabama and the next at Texas and the next at Michigan. Um, you, you never you never know in in just the reality of the situation is I think him not being a part of this new SEC as much I do think genuinely he is afraid of it in a way for the reasons I brought up earlier but I also think if you're this guy who kind of came in kind of old school early 2000s coach who built up programs and made relationships with players and built a legacy on a foundation of love for the sport in that school and now you're slowly seeing it turn into a corporatized mess getting rid of the regionality and just turning into minor league and NFL pseudo NFL where soon it'll just be the big 10 and the SEC and the SEC has a million teams in it and they're getting rid of divisions and all of this college football doesn't even resemble college football anymore and I think Nick Saban may have been the last thing holding the atlas holding the legacy of college of the rivalries of the beautifulness of the sport on his shoulders as it pains me to say it and I think he just kind of looked up and said why am I doing this this is just corporatized nonsense and dropped it it's the biggest poem I've ever ever heard here but if you'd have told me today Brett Robles was going to give Nick Saban flowers at his media burial upon announcing his retirement. I'd have told you you were full of baloney. In a world where you have freaking Brian Kelly dancing on TikTok to get recruits, you really anything can happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> and uh, one more, uh, throwing it over to the comments there. We had uh, Comovet511. Who asked, why do you think Harbaugh might leave as well? The transfer portal has destroyed the essence of college football. So, Brett, you have one in your camp there. Uh, Harbaugh's thing was that essentially if Michigan didn't win this championship, it was seeming that his role there was stagnant and that he might be able to get uh, not only more money, but potentially more fulfillment through returning to the NFL. Um, but now that Michigan has won a national championship, I think it's safe to assume he's stuck there for at least two to three more years. But everything is unpredictable in college football. I mean, Nick Saban said he's not going to Miami, and then he said he ain't going to Alabama, so you never know. 
Sounds and like he's going to Colorado. Can we just leave the coffin closed? Yeah. We'll so, let that man start to rot already? All right. So one thing that we haven't talked about for LSU football yes. that we got to get to. We got to. Talking about change for the future. It was announced earlier this week that LSU is picking up a new coach on the defensive line. Donald, you want to tell them all about it? So let's talk about Bo Davis. This is Blake Baker's uh, hire that's sort of shaping up this new LSU defense. You look at Bo Davis's reputation. This is someone who was a college graduate of LSU and then started his coaching career as a graduate assistant at LSU. Then was able to, while being in that transition period, as we talked about with old Nick Saban, and it all just ties together, doesn't it? Uh, was the assistant strength and conditioning coach, then transitioned to a position coach once Saban took him to the NFL with the Dolphins, where he then followed him to Alabama to become their defensive line coach in the early 2000s to, sorry, late 2000s to early 2010s before making several other stops such as Alabama, UTSA, the Detroit Lions. Nevertheless, he finds his way back around to LSU. Now, the question is, why is this relevant? Primarily because this man can recruit. Not only can this man recruit, this man also is known for making absolute units when it comes to defensive linemen. And that was one of the elements where our talent was more or less underutilized in 2023 for the Tigers. So seeing this commitment to go get what is considered the best in the business, who just happens to be an alumni of your university, is a win-win and therefore creates an even stronger opportunity to reinforce that Brian Kelly is the new dean of college football, not only from his win totals to the fact that I looked it up just for the sake of it. There's now basically nobody within two winning perfect seasons of Brian Kelly other than, can you guess which school it is? Producer Brett, you have 10 seconds. Is it Nebraska? Wrong. Dave, what's the next winningest head coach in college football? Oh, God. Actually, would you believe it's Harvard's head coach who has 248 wins? No, you wouldn't. I would not have. We would have been here for a hot minute. So, all these Harvard and Yales with these like. So that's what I'm saying. There was literally no way you would have got it. I didn't believe it, but then I found it out. So what this means to you is that there's nobody who has that recruiting prowess to say, "I've won." 270 games other than Brian Kelly and his now juggernaut coaching staff, which he continues to pick off day by day. And this is something that also was said in the comments. Nick Saban was great because he got great assistant coaches because he had the reputation. Brian Kelly is now the lead reputation holder. When did this guy leave Bama, though? Uh, He last coached for Bama in 2015. Uh, Since then, he was at the Jacksonville Jaguars, University of Texas, San Antonio, the Detroit Lions, and Texas. Go ahead. Uh, That gives me hope because Alabama was an absolute unit from, I would say, 2011 to about 2016. 2017 is right when, like, the decline started, in my opinion. Um, And if he left to go to the NFL, that's an upgrade. So... But if he left at, like, 2013, I'd be like, uh... But if he was there, he was there at the peak of the Saban, quote-unquote, dynasty. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, this is a great hire. Absolutely. Dave, what you got? It is a fantastic hire. A much needed hire for LSU who had tremendous defensive issues this season. I think that is going to take the Tigers a long way next year. Three national championship rings. Very nice whenever you're walking into the kids' living room. Indeed. Do we have anything else LSU-related? I got to say this. When it comes to Bama in the future without Nick Saban, they are the school of crimson. But I think their future is blood red. Now that's beautiful editing. Will you look at that? How poetic. That's why we let him do the technologies. Um, So, oh, look at that purple. So, yeah, with LSU, I mean, obviously we bring in the number one recruiting club, excuse me, the number one recruit for quarterback, running back, wide receiver for 2025. Um, We don't go too in-depth in recruiting normally due to the fact that we have week-by-week coverage to do in a short amount of time. But, you know, it seems our team's getting stacked. It's stacked. It's stacked. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I don't, know if you'll, I don't know if you'll see this behind me, but I have a little um, plaque to represent the four championships that LSU recognizes. We all know I think it's Yeah, we know. Uh, 1958, 2003, 2007, 2019. But these hires, I think next year I'm going to have to get a new one. Oh, you yeah. might just. It might be time. It might it be time. May also be time to uh, to upgrade from college to pro sports. We got some Saints football to talk about. Before we get into that, everybody nowadays got something hmm. to say, but not everybody has a way to say it. Not anymore. Omega Sound and Entertainment, proud partners of the Boot Sports Network and equipment providers for Boots to Balls, would like to introduce Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting. They can show up wherever you are with all the gear and expertise that you'll need. Recording, editing, producing, even publishing, whatever level of help you need, they are happy to provide. Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting is available now. For more information, check out omegasounddjs.com. Give them a call at 985-503-3357. That's 985-503-3357. And, of course, we'd be remiss if we don't mention one of our great friends here on the Boot Sports Network, and that is McNeil Engineering. They provide comprehensive design services, including civil engineering, structural engineering, land surveying, high-definition scanning, landscape architecture, and consulting services to private and public sectors. They are committed to delivering timely, responsive, and economical design solutions. For over 30 years, McNeil Engineering has thrived on establishing personal relationships and providing quality designs to their clients. They immerse themselves in each project and become part of the team to thoroughly understand the economics of their projects and, more importantly, the satisfaction of each customer. Project deadlines are an absolute, not a goal. Once again, we thank McNeil Engineer. Thank you, McNeil. Okay, okay, okay. 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 That's what I just said. We did it. It's time to talk Saints football. The Saints season is now officially over. Uh, The Saints played the Falcons this past Sunday and uh, demolished them. Mm. Uh, If you're not going to make the playoffs, at least one great way to end the season is by just absolutely destroying the dirty birds at home. The Falcons are the Saints' Bama, and not only did they destroy them, but something happened with the play at the end. 
We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, yes, that's the teasing, one big teasing. thing that everybody is talking about. Hell, let's talk about it. <laughs> so, in much the same vein as uh, Brett knew about Nick Saban's potential retirement, how long have I been screaming, let Jamal score? Let Jamal score? Months. Months. I've been sitting here on this program saying, hashtag, let Jamal score. I'm telling you, if you were anywhere near the house control suite, you heard me yelling it in the dome Sunday. Let Jamal score. And uh, even right before he did, I was screaming it. I didn't even really, as a fan, I lost kind of track of where I was in that moment. Here's where I was. Here's what happened. The Saints are up 41 to 17 over the Falcons. Job's done. They are just beating them pillar to post the entire second half. Taking it to the goal line. Honey Badger picks it off, goes all the way down, gets tackled at the one yard line. Could have very easily been a pick six, but it wasn't. Did he do it on purpose? Did he not? (laughs) The world may never know. Um, The very next play, the New Orleans Saints come out take the victory formation and then suddenly Jameis Winston who is in for this victory formation hands off to Jamal Williams who sneaks in and scores his only touchdown for the season only he was the leading touchdown scorer not of the Detroit Lions not just of the Detroit Lions yeah of the NFL last season 17 touchdowns that man scored and when our fullback went down, he basically took on fullback roles and did not get the opportunity to be near the dynamic runner that he is or was last season. What happened was happened Coach was? Dennis Allen said victory. And he sent them in. And if they would have taken the knee, it would have been two knees. Yep. Game's over. See you bye. Last minute of the game. And if it's any other team... At any other time of the season, it happens. It, it, whether you're on the one-yard line or not, it happens. Not if I'm coaching an NCAA. Which is, well, first of all, it's the NFL, not the NCAA. That's true. Play some second of all, that's one of the main reasons why you're not coaching. Because there is, there, there is such a, a hot and cold when it yeah. comes to, to running up the score. Where it's it's viewed as uh, you shouldn't do it. It's just a bad look. But then you have games where, like, when Pete Carmichael called against the Colts a couple of years back, and we dropped sixty three on them. This season, Whoa. Miami dropped seventy on Denver. We're talking about forty one to forty nine, running up the score. Personally, I would like to see a Georgia Tech Cumberland type score. Mm. Uh, it'll never happen in the NFL yeah. because of sportsmanship. It'll never happen. Here's what the the issue was. That play happens. Jamal scores his touchdown. They kick off. Game ends. And Arthur Smith meets Dennis Allen in midfield and is, understandably so, pissed. Uh, pissed. Like, you didn't have to be a lip reader to know what he said because he said it loud enough for the cameras to pick That'd up. That'd be the Falcons head coach. Uh, Former 
head coach. Former head coach, yeah. He got fired before his plane landed back in Atlanta. He did yeah, not even make it back. Did home. not make it to midnight central time. And and I don't even think that's a joke, honestly. It, it, his, it, they said uh, this was his third season finishing seven and ten. Not good enough. See, bye. Um, and, I, and, I can, and I can understand yeah. that. So now the big controversy is why did this happen? Jamal, or not Jamal, Jameis Winston said, we as a team got out there and, and, and yeah. I have listened to just about every player. Uh, I've, I've talked to a couple. I have seen things um, in interviews. They went to Dennis Allen prior to going out on the field and went, hey, can we get Jamal a touchdown? And then this is my understanding of the events. And he said, ah, no, we're just going to go home. We're not, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go home. Get out there. Victory. They call victory in the huddle. Jameis says, are, are we doing this? And everybody says, no, we got to get Jamal a touchdown. It was a full team, team decision. decision to change that play at the line of scrimmage. And then they get Jamal the touchdown. The majority of people in pundits are not necessarily mad at the fact that they ran up the score because a lot of people have been saying, well, look, if that's the thing, stop us. Stop them. You know? And that's a fair point. The point that they have the biggest problem with is the fact that it was done from victory formation. It was done dirty. It was a trick play at the end of the game when you didn't have to call a trick play. Um, and from players' perspectives, when you go out there, and this was a thing that I had heard uh, in interviews other players say, yeah. you go out there and you line up in victory formation and you're the offense. The defense goes, hey, you're kneeling, right? You go, yeah, we're kneeling. And you go, cool. And that's why we as fans, when we watch the game, we see the defense just kind of stand up and nobody touches anybody no. because it is understood on the field it's a done deal and it's over. But this time, Jameis and the Saints go out there, they line up in victory, and the Falcons go, hey, y'all are nailing it, right? Nope. Crickets. Nobody says anything. Here is where I believe the misunderstanding is. This is the thing that I have not heard anybody else say yet. <laughs> The New Orleans Saints players were not trying to deceive the Atlanta Falcons. No. They were trying to deceive the Dennis Falcons. Allen. Ah. Here's why I say that. If you go back and you, you get familiar with the details of the game at that time, just over a minute left. You're taking over on the one-yard line. You're supposed to kneel the ball. The Saints have three timeouts. All the players have said, hey, coach, let's get Jamal a touchdown. And he goes, no, we're not going to do that. It's not the right look. We're not doing it. Go victory. Okay. There's not a doubt in my mind that from the one-yard line, if the Saints wanted to, they could have very easily lined up in an I formation and powered Jamal Williams in for a one-yard touchdown run. There is not a doubt in my mind that they probably could have said, hey, look, we're just trying to do this for Jamal. And Atlanta would have just let it yeah. go. The New Orleans Saints did it out of victory formation. This is just my opinion. 
Because if they didn't, if they changed the lineup, Dennis Allen goes, what the hell are you doing? Time out. And then calls the team back and says, what are you doing? That's not the play we called. And then they say, well, we were just trying to get Jamal the touchdown. He pulls Jamal and goes, well, guess what? He's on the sidelines now. You're not getting him that touchdown. Go back and do what I told you to do. And I think that the players were smart enough in that moment to realize that if they were going to do this for Jamal, this was the only way that it was going to get done. And it was one of those do it and ask permission. Or, right. Excuse me, not ask permission. So, do it and apologize now because you asked for permission and it didn't work later. That is my only reason why it would make sense for the New Orleans Saints to run that play out of that formation at that time. Yeah, it wasn't to deceive anybody other than Dennis Allen to make sure they could get that playoff for Jamal. I agree with you, but as someone from the outside looking in, because I, I, I am not going to lie, full disclosure, I know little, nothing about the NFL. I've learned a lot being on the show, but hmm. I'm, I, I still don't really watch the games. I know a little nothing about the Saints. From someone who does not watch the NFL hearing that, that calls into question for me. Does that, what does that say about the professionalism of Dennis Allen as a coach if his team is doing something like this behind his back? So that is a shared sentiment brought up by just about every pundit. Yep. This is being referred to in many media circles as the mutiny play. Okay. Because when you while the players will say it wasn't a mutiny we don't we don't disrespect coach when you look up the definition of the word mutiny that's kind of what it means it's what it was yeah yeah you were given an order from someone higher in command and then you as a unit got together and went no we're not going to do that we're going to do our own thing and and that's what they did now as the the captain of team let Jamal score Mm. I am I am happy that Jamal Williams got his touchdown. Happy for the man. I'm very happy for the, the man. swag Kazakage. And the, yes, the first swag Kazakage. You know, um, you know what's that? It, if this was college, that uh, touchdown would not have been uh, counted because Mike Leach tried to fake a knee to go to um, a touchdown. Yeah, but this isn't college, so it counted. And also, it wasn't the quarterback, to be clear. This is – because everyone – that's another thing for just the general audience. The people are blaming Jameis for this, which I find to be very strange because, first of all, all Jameis does is hand the ball off. You can say, okay, he called the audible, if you want to call it that. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of what this play was, it is – purely a team morale aspect and people want to talk about the bush league element you hear this term you hear the oh that's you know that's that's the bad sportsmanship and look new orleans is a very and i'm talking about the local media here new orleans is a very split city there's old new orleans there's transplant new orleans and there's modern new orleans yes whichever part of that you are thank you for being here but what we can agree to a degree about old New Orleans is that they like things done a certain way. They like you to follow the way how it's supposed to be done. And they'll tell you as soon as you mess up. Well, it's not even so much that. 
it's speaking more to the media's response. Oh, wait, guys, guys, do y'all, do y'all feel that heat? Do y'all, do y'all feel that? It's a little, it's a little hot in here. Hot from this hot take. Sportsmanship is overrated. The games are not made for your feelings. They're made for wins and losses, and no one cares. To quote Patton, no American cares about or a hoot in hell about a loser, and everyone loves a winner. And I gotta say, you gotta say, like, I wouldn't care about a guy who lost in the lab. Who cares in the grand scheme of the universe about a seven being added? Oh my god, they were so disrespectful. If you're already losing by double digits, that seven isn't gonna hurt you. The news story is overblown. The Saints won. Who cares? Go cry your rain of tears somewhere else, you millionaire professional football players. I bet your feelings got hurt. Wham, wham. So here's and that the was a hot take from me, producer Bit. If Tyron Matthew scores on that pick six, there is no, there is no conversation. No, well, there might be a conversation, but it wouldn't be this long, and it wouldn't be this. Yeah, that's for sure. It would have been, hey. Tyron, you know that if you would have just tackled or gone out of bounds at the one, your team could have gone and kneeled and y'all could have gone home. And then he would go, oh, yeah, but I was just in the moment. I wasn't thinking about it. I just saw the end zone and I did what I as an athlete am trained to do. And everyone went, nah, understandable. Ah." And it would have gotten thrown under the rug and it would have not been a big deal. Mm -hmm. What made this a big deal is not even the fact that, that Jamal got a touchdown. It's just the way that it happened. The fact that the team called their own audible and did it in a way that deceived everyone to keep the coach from stopping them doing it. And and I'll say this. Look, at the end of the day, I know it's a little different for you, Dave, but I'll sort of speak to the audience with this. Are we a fan of the coach or are we a fan of the team, which at to a certain degree – the team has to be content. The team has to choose to re-sign in New Orleans. The team has to want to be in that building. Yes, you need a coach who can command, who can control, who can be over all of this process. But if we look to the early days of the Sean Payton era, we're talking 2006, what was the first thing Sean Payton made it his personal vendetta to do? Wipe every non-compliant out of the locker room get rid of the major cultural issues that were affecting this team and you can say as some people will is this a just by you know just a a factor of living in new orleans a party city somewhere where it's such a laissez-faire mentality do what you want lay back have a good day you know Or is it the fact that more than anything, those players just had a winning season and they learned by that point in the game that Tampa had already won the division, which basically means that they're, they're, they didn't know, know, but I I think, and I'm not saying they like had a phone, but I'm telling you, I know they did not know because we were given strict Oh, I know you couldn't play it. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. No. We were given strict instructions as a game day unit 
that under no circumstances do you at any time ever show highlights, show scores, make mention of the Tampa game. Yep. Because they didn't want it to be a distraction. It was never mentioned. The score was never flashed on the scoreboard. Tampa Bay and Carolina did not exist for three and a half hours on that Sunday in New Orleans. So they did not know that. Now, that's from the business. Now, is it possible, you know, your backup, you know, long snapper, not saying there is one, I know there's not, goes and say, hey, man, who's sitting right there in the first row, what's the Tampa score? I'm not going to say it's a guarantee, but... You know what? I, you can't say that it's not possible. I mean, would you say that... reporters right there, Would you, you know? say that a backup quarterback wouldn't go out and change the call of the last play of the game? Hey! Because anything... I guess anything, anything could have happened. Possible, but Especially when you got James Winston. Seemingly drastic measures to make sure that that never happened. Oh, yeah, no. Y'all did a great job, I, I by think the it way. Was, That's my personal opinion. I think this. it was one of those things where... And, and, and I believe this just from hearing it from the players themselves. Yeah. They all really believed in Jamal. They all really felt bad that Jamal did, never got his touchdown. And yeah. I even went on record, and I've said it for weeks, that I felt like you've got Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara as potential oh, yeah. it should have been, a dual threat backfield, well, and they, they never got used most, to their... At most, 70-30 load spread? At most? I, I don't feel like they were used to their to their fullest capacities. But I'm not the coach. It's not for me That's to right. decide. Oh, that's right. And I, I have, I do have nothing but respect for Dennis Allen. He is the coach. He knows more about football than I ever will. Um, and I know that some people would debate me on that. And I know there are still a large constituency of people that want him out. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. Is that going to be our transition? Yeah, kind I, of, I, but I, we're not I quite there yet. on this point. I was once told by my grandfather that the only, no one cares about the middle. No one cares to remember you by what you did on some random day of meeting them. When you get down to their, to when seeing them, they're going to remember you from two things. The first time they saw you and the last time they saw you. And this season was a winning season that started with the win against the Titans and ended with a win against the Falcons. When you get down to it, there was more wins than losses. I'm not going to act like I know the NFL, I know Dennis Allen, or even I know anything about the Saints. But if he's getting more wins this season than he did last season, if you have a player mutiny or whatever you'd like to call it, that is something that can be fixed over time. No program, I do know this much about football, no coach, no matter how good you are, no matter if you're Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Dennis Allen, Bill Belichick, what have you, John Madden, you cannot just say, I'm here, and then magically get a Super Bowl out of your butthole. That's mm -hmm. not how things work. And I think, from what I can see, um, strictly from the outside looking in, it seems the hype around wanting to fire Dennis Allen comes from ignorance on how to run an NFL team. And I say give the dude some more time. Hmm. So, here's where that that sentiment comes from. I think it comes from a, a conglomeration of a lot of things. I think it comes from a very spoiled fan base. Yeah. First and foremost, I, I'm going to go out there on record as saying it. We did get spoiled as yep. a fan base. The Sean Payton era was a generation. A generation. 16 years of Sean and Drew. 
for the most part. From 2006 to 2023, 2022, but still 15, 16 years. And he left with a winning record and Super Bowls and multi-time division championships in a row. Like one of the winningest teams in that top three winningest teams in that time frame. Turned the New Orleans Saints culture around entirely. Indeed. Made us a winner. So there's there's a statement that's kind of I've heard it a lot in broadcast, but it's true for a lot of things. You don't want to be the guy that replaces the star. Yeah. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy who replaces the star. Because the guy who replaces the star leaves with this super high bar of expectations. And especially when you have been living with those expectations for 16 years. And no disrespect, I got 20 years on both of you guys. That's right. There's probably not a lot of NFL football that y'all really remember from the Saints prior to that era. Not in compared to what I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember the Jim Mora days. I remember Bobby A. Bear as a player, not a commentator. Up time. Up time. I remember Reuben Mays and Dalton Hilliard and Brett Perriman. I remember Morton Anderson long before he ever I went that Perriman to guy. Atlanta. What's that? Shout out to that Perriman guy. He has a cool first name. Indeed. I remember, I remember Uncle Archie out there throwing That's passes. Great. Like those are, are things that we grew up with. You know, I grew up during the inks and the paper bags and all that stuff. So for these people who now you're transitioning from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen, you expect that because Dennis Allen was part of the Sean Payton scheme that, you know, you're just giving somebody the keys to the car and they're going to drive it all the same. No two people drive a car the same way. This is not how it happens. And. Dennis Allen's coaching philosophy and Sean Payton's coaching philosophy are very, 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 very different. If you remember when we got Adrian Peterson, (laughs) Adrian Peterson and Sean Payton had uh, had words on the sideline. And there is an iconic video. You can go back and find it. And you can see Adrian Peterson cursing out Sean Payton because he didn't Mm -hmm. like a call. And Sean Payton just turns around and looks at him as if to say, say it again, I wish you would. And then you can see Adrian Peters' face fall out. Sean Payton goes back to work. And the next day, Adrian Peterson is see you bye. Like that culture, Sean Payton was the leader. That's it. You, You do what you're told or you deal with the consequences. Can you remember a Sean Payton season? where you had as much extracurricular negativity as there was this season. You had Chris Olave and his thing getting pulled over. You have Mike Thomas and his crazy thing with his neighbor and the construction crew people. You've got all of the rest of now this whole mutiny thing and everybody's questioning whether or not he's lost the locker room, which I don't believe he's lost the locker room. By the way, when this happened in the movie Rudy, which was based on a real life thing, and everybody gave up their spot so Rudy could play. That was cool. Yay, Rudy. Now it happens and all the players are a-holes. No, it's not like that yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was a one play. One play, it was one decision to do a good deed for a guy who's been doing a season worth of good deeds for the entire team. I like Dennis Allen. 
I'm saying it. I like yeah. Dennis Allen. Do yeah. I think he's the greatest coach to ever coach? No, yeah. the numbers have disproved that. Do I think that he is a bad coach? No, not yet. I think that there's still a lot of coaching left in his career to do before anybody can say that. I, I am a like, Dennis Allen fan. I will so, go on record as saying that. I, I will. Hold on. Hold on. This is the point that you need to hear. Yes. I believe Dennis Allen got that one wrong. Mm. I believe that at some point throughout this season, it should have been a priority to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. That guy came over from Detroit with a huge effing chip on his shoulder. As much as we went after Derek Carr because Derek Carr felt unappreciated in Las Vegas, it was the exact same story for Jamal Williams coming out of Detroit. And you stood behind Derek Carr all season long. The man broke his back, broke his ribs, broke this, broke that. He's injured, he's injured, he's got concussions in consecutive weeks. And you're still going to put him in there and play, but you can't find a reason to get Jamal Ah, one single touchdown? I think you got that wrong. So well, I think you got that I, wrong. I'll make We're that, all human beings. Me, we all make mistakes. I can say that Ian Rigney and Comma Vet 511, shout out to them, think that uh, Alan would just tonight, guys. put in car and take in a knee. And shout out to Combo Vet 511. Uh, we see, hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, we see all of your uh, comments. You said a lot about LSU. Um, he basically said just now that Dennis Allen, as a head coach, hasn't shown that he can truly lead this team at all. If the Saints do keep them, they need to establish a new culture, and Dennis Allen has to make it his own. Uh, so, which means- uh, so let's yeah, talk I'll- about that coaching culture for a second. Exactly. This is where I wanted to segue into that. Now you've left the season with this giant question of has Dennis Allen lost the locker room? I don't think he has. I think that he is not the aggressive coach that Sean Payton is, and I think that's why the players felt like they could do what they did because there would be less fallback on them for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it was at the end of the season. People are talking about how would uh, Shannon Sharp, how would cut Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston was on a one-year deal anyway. And Jameis Winston was probably on his way out. Uh, I, I Honestly, the Saints have so much cap woe and stuff like that. It doesn't make financial sense to keep him. Um, if they, I don't know what the plan is. But no, I, I don't see... I don't know that I see a scenario where Jameis stays in New Orleans much longer <laughs> if he follows the rules. If he follows the play call. Um, coaching culture. So now you've got this scenario where Dennis Allen, as dad, head of the household, he says, all right, look, this is how it's going to be today. This is going to happen. And then hypothetically, um, everybody else in the household goes, okay, dad, no, we're going to go do this. And it creates the appearance that he's lost the household. And now we hear the Saints are looking to potentially bring in John Gruden, former Raiders coach who has history with Derek Carr, who now has history with the Saints because they brought him in last year to help integrate the offensive plan in for Derek Carr. It almost kind of looks like 
dad has lost the house and grandpa is coming in to help him get the house back. But I don't know that that necessarily works. Like I, I, that's very weird to me. How does I'm, I'm anxious to see how this is going to work. Because again, as an admitted fan of Derek, uh, of Dennis Allen, how do you, as Dennis Allen, who is the head coach, bring in a former head coach who has accolades that supersede yours and drop him to an assistant role and still somehow manage to keep the respect of the locker room the minute John Gruden and Dennis Allen think differently on something? Who do the players side with? So let me sort of take this perspective here. Trying to, I guess, keep it as not bash Dennis Allen as I can. Uh, I am not on full I hate Dennis Allen camp. I think that the man may be in over his head because what the Saints organization is, is basically Mike Tomlin as an organization. Um, there's no reason why the Saints should not have had a bad season in almost 20 years. Because theoretically, the idea of pro sports is you bloom, you bust, and then you bloom again to higher yeah. standards. You can think more like how the 49ers uh, run their organization, where they get these bursts of championships every few years, um, or opportunities for a championship, I should say. You look at the Saints model, which is, at this point, since the Benson... So, well, let me say this. <laughs> Wrong. Since the Hazlitt era looks a lot more like the Pittsburgh Steelers model, where it's basically keep a coach as long as you possibly can, hope they win a playoff game every year, and then, if it really gets rough, then cut them. So, th- and, and that's... That's the rough part for me, is that if we're using this model and Dennis Allen stays the coach for the NF, for the foreseeable future, what is the gain in bringing higher instability? Ian Rigby just said it there. He still has the pending litigation. I don't know if he's greenlit by the league to coach be it uh, an offensive coordinator or whatever he might be doing there, um, I think he still is going to require to be back office. I think he's basically black flagged from game day public operations. I think Um, you know what I mean by that, Dave. Um, So in that regard, Dennis Allen took a big hit when he made his comments post-game. I think New Orleans talks about that. National media talks about the Jamal play. And both are very valid for their own reasons. But New Orleans, that hurt the heart. You had a little bit of joy at the end of what's been a very rough season. And you sort of soil on it by saying, sorry, Falcons. I, so, I understand why, though. I get why he did it. I get I, why I he did like it. The fraternity of coaches trying to be a decent human being. It shouldn't happen the way that it happened. I get that, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, Here's an idea. So, Brian Kelly, as we know, and, and I'm going to the Saints with this, just trust me, take, take my word on it. Brian Kelly 
Bengals defense was, lack for a better term, a dumpster fire this year. Mm-hmm. And midway through the season, forgive me because I forget his name, but I believe he brought, I think it was a Saban-ish, Les Miles-ish era defense. Pete Say it one more time. Pete Jenkins. He brought in Pete Jenkins, right? Yes. And I don't think anyone is accusing Brian Kelly of not being in control of the LSU football team, right? Yes. But then what happens right after? He hires this Bo... Davis. Davis. He hires Bo Davis. And it seems like he's stacking, as we said earlier, is stacked for what might be a championship season. Dennis Allen bringing in this old guard Saints guy. Again, I don't know NFL, so forgive me for John Gruden is not an old guard Saints guy. Old guard NFL. Old guard NFL guy. It may not necessarily considering his email language, but we'll get to that another day. Don't know the NFL. I speak as the outsider. I yes. And from the outsider who only knows college, I can see it being seen in two ways. The is it the grandpa throwing the house trying to come in to get control of the house or is it just hey man we're having some issues here could you lend your talents to that in the same way that's what brian kelly did and look where brian kelly's going in comparison to where we were at so i'll take it i guess in this way the slight difference with the nfl structure is that you can't go create a new quarter of your team every year the saints Mm -hmm. only have five draft picks as it currently stands Five out of 53 are going to come from the draft, and you'll pull probably 10 out of free agency. So you're changing maybe a tenth, a fifth of the roster, somewhere in between there. Um, Not accounting for the ones you're going to have to let go. Exactly, because the Saints also are now trying to... 70-something million (laughs) over cap? You know, they have a drill... And Mickey is in that office as hard as he can, trying to tap out another hole to keep using this same core roster of uh, defensive stalwarts and then his offense as he can build it. And the thing is, would it make more sense, and this is more into the nuance of the NFL, would it make more sense for Dennis Allen to basically part ways with Pete Carmichael, which may or may not happen, Go get some on the spectrum of a Joe Brady, hot, young, NFL-minded. What I mean by that is very much focused on X's and O's, ins and out every week coach to go run his offense because he doesn't have a big enough coaching tree to go get somebody he had in Oakland. Go get this young offensive coordinator and see if you can re-spark with, and I know this is going to be controversial due to the nature of what we saw on Monday night, a Penix. Somebody like that. Not starting them immediately in the way a Penix walked off the field. He may need a year to rest. And let that system be redeveloped under what I'm going to call the Heisman model of college football quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow even, this highly mobile yet also extremely accurate deep passing threat where basically the mid-game is used in a Malik Neighbor style. Not to completely base it around LSU, but for our local audience, I think it helps. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see. Yeah. I think that we, you know, we keep kind of making the comparisons back and forth between the Saints and the LSU Tigers. And 
they're almost kind of mirror images. They are. Where you saw they're one succeed, you saw another struggle. Um, the Saints this season succeeded more on defense, struggled more on offense until late in the season. What I think you saw in the final game against Atlanta was enough to make people believe that this is a thing that can continue to happen. They they took two division opponents in back-to-back weeks. That's right. And they held them to a total of, what, 23 points, I think? The Saints' largest margin of loss this year was nine points. They never were out of a game. Right. Um, I, we had a question from the commenters. Sure. Okay. If you're Dennis, and this comes back from Mr. Vet, sorry, Tomo Vet 511. Okay. What do you guys say if you are in the position of Dennis Allen after the play? Are, are what do talking, I say if I'm in the position of Dennis Allen after the play? I think VA means Dennis Allen. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what he means. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I imagine he's talking about the, the Jameis Winston play. Yeah, and let me add this context with it, Dave. Do you think they're asking how do you address that locker room? Is that I think, you're, I think he's asking how you address everybody. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, if you're the head coach, you have to address everybody. Here's how I would address everybody if I was if I was Dennis Allen. First and foremost, that play happens. And the players come off to the sidelines. They're the first people I'm addressing. Yo, WTF. What in the world was that? Do you realize what you just did? Do you have any idea the shitstorm you just started? I get why you did what you did. Do you get why I said we were going to do the thing I said we were going to do? And I'm sure that conversation or something along those lines probably happened. So now, I'm sure for the last 60 seconds of that football game, he's looking across the sidelines and he sees Arthur Smith stewing. He knows he's going to have some splaining to do as soon as the game ends. So he meets Arthur Smith and Arthur Smith comes over hot. WTF, rightfully so. And then he's got to, as a head coach, look at another head coach and go, look, man, I told them to do this. They did this. I, I got to apologize for my guys. Sorry. Yeah. That's where I think the apology needs to be. Yeah, right on the field. On the In field. that moment, Exclusive. on the field, between those two guys. And he said understandable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and then when you're, in, when you're in the press conference and people are going to come up, and Dennis Allen started the press conference by apologizing again publicly to Arthur Smith and the Falcons, which honestly, as a human being, I don't hate. He's just trying to be a nice guy and do the right thing. Sure. And I, I don't have a problem with that, except for how it looks to the fan base. That's your rivalry game. That's Atlanta. That's this, that, and the other. So, you know, you've said your piece. It's between those two people. Arthur Smith knows how Dennis Allen feels. Dennis Allen knows how he feels. He doesn't need to necessarily make that point. So I don't know that I would have addressed the press conference post-game with apology. Uh, I probably uh, would have come out, and I would have just tried to keep it business as usual. Hey, today was a heck of a game. It was a great team win for us. Uh, We came out. We did the things we wanted to do in the second half, had some issues in the first half, made some adjustments. 
blah, 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 blah. And I'd wait for somebody to ask me the question yeah. because some reporter is going to ask me the question. And then at that point, I'm going to go, you know, uh, that's not what we drew up. Uh, we called to play and uh, they decided in the huddle to do something differently. Uh, it's still something that I'm trying to figure out and I'm going to work on. It. I'm going to tell you what exactly what I'd have done. I would have done the Kim Mulkey thing. Yep. That's an issue between okay. me and my players. Yeah. And I'll take care of that with my players. I know what happened. They know what happened. Arthur Smith knows what happened. I talked to Arthur Smith. Hopefully, you know, we have an understanding. And if we don't, I'll reach out to him directly and, and we'll continue that discussion if need be. Coming out and apologizing for your players who went against your call... It sounds high schoolish to me. It sounds. It's not that it sounds high schoolish. I hate to say this. What people are saying, and it's hard to disagree with, is that it made him look weak. It made him look like he wasn't in control of his team. Do we have any idea what the hell happened with Angel Reese? No. Do we ever know what happened with Angel Reese? Nope. Do we deserve to know what happened with Angel Reese? Really? No. Unless they make a really good 30 for 30. So while it frustrated the shit out of us, Kim Mulkey was right in what she did. Yeah. She said, look, these are team issues. These are team issues. The team's going to deal with the team issues. All you need to know is she's going to be here when she's here. She's not when she's not. Don't worry about it. Y'all going to be all right. It's a matter. We got it. We got it under control. Is it is a team thing? I think, I, I think at that point, oh, Da just kind of got caught up in the moment and was trying to just go. Look, we tried to do the right thing. Things went wrong, and in in doing so, it just it took a thing that was a bad look and it made it an even worse look. It opened the door. It kicked the door off for so much more speculation than than there needed to be. That's how I would have addressed it. I I would have done my best to not. Dave, well, I know we've never done one of these before on the show, and I'm trying to get a second source. Are you willing to talk a little immediate breaking news? Yeah, what we got? So I'm trying to, again, double-check this, but it looks as though it is very possible that Alabama is going to try and get Eric Biemme. And that is wow. That would be quite the get for uh, to catch everybody up to speed who's not familiar. Wow, this is a long uh, touted. I know a whole. Why don't you give it, Dave? Come on, let's give it. Let's tell them about it. Was he a former Saints coach? Oh no, this is no. no. Eric Bieniemy is with um, Kansas City, I believe. Kansas City. He's about to be my enemy. Uh. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually if he probably. takes the job over at Bama, he will be. Eric Bieniemy was top of the list of every fire Dennis Allen advocate <laughs> to be the replacement for Dennis Allen. Eric Bieniemy is uh, he's, he's a, a fantastic offensive amazing. mind and uh, would probably have been an amazing coach and it would have opened the door to a number of benefits in the Saints organization. I'm not saying that I think that they should have gone out and gotten him, but if if, if the FDA uh, pundits got their way, 
and Eric Bieniemy was the choice to come in, it would have been a very interesting transition. I will note he is currently with the Washington Commanders. That's interesting. Oh, he's with the Commanders right now. Yes, and he is blocked. Um, he is getting blocked from being an emergency coach for the playoffs. Nobody's going to be able to hire him. The Commanders are blocking his contract from being released to another NFL squad. They're allowed to do that. Yeah, the NFL. Yeah, is no, weird there's one. probably things written in it that they can do that. Yeah, it's it's almost like franchise tagging a player. Well, if you could block someone from joining, this is just during the season. The this is like a buy. This would be like it, it quadruples his buyout for college terms. Well, could yeah. he be quadrupled the buyout if he goes to Bama as well? No, that's different. That's leaving the league. It's it's not a lateral step. You're not going NFL to NFL. You're going NFL to college. Yeah, different thing. You you couldn't leave one team to go to another team that you would potentially have to play your previous team. And bring... I'm just say, I ain't afraid of this guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what can um, you might change. You might change your tune after you do a what, little research. What can Nick Saban, bro? He was awful in the NFL, and then he comes to college. And becomes what some people would call the goat. Not me. So, so what are they saying about the enemy? That 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 that's who they want. So or that it's so practically we had deal? we had one person join John Sam. Thank you for watching. Uh, who gave a bit of a uh, snippet here? Please cite your source, John Sam. Um, basically saying that Alabama officials are maybe trying to make this move quickly. However. I mean, you have, and this is going to go on pure speculation for those of you watching. I want to be perfectly clear. This is not proper news. This is speculation for the sake of not only entertainment value, but also for the sake of understanding the landscape. Alabama's probably going to pay their next coach, assuming he is top tier level. He'll be the highest paid in college football. If he's top tier level, yes. They will go get, they will go get their man. All right, so I'm I'm looking it up right now. I'm not seeing, and I can't see anything on any of the rumor mills that are are even alluding to the fact. So it makes me wonder if this is just that viewer trolling. Not trolling. I would feel honored if we had a troll in our chat trying to throw us off. We already have a troll on the show. Maybe just just wishful thinking, potentially. Or, or how would that? What would that do for LSU if Eric Bieniemy takes the job at Bama? It would yeah, be I a mean, very interesting thing to think. Um, so let's let's take that and let's put that back on the back burner until yeah. something like that actually happens. It would definitely change the landscape of the SEC if it does. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's there's nothing. Brett, have you checked with your source, the same source that told you about Saban's retirement? Anything about Eric Bieniemy? Nothing if that source doesn't say anything, I'm not believing it. And I, I, I got to say this, though, and, and I'm going to be real with y'all. I am under no delusion that, and I don't think anyone should be, that Bama is, quote-unquote, looking for a coach. I, no, dude, I'm telling you, there's no way Nick Saban just woke up this morning and said, you know what? Today I'm retiring. I bet months ago, if not, if I think many months ago, he probably said, hey, guys. Hold on. I'm going to go and check with a, a source 
and see if I can get any more news on this. Y'all speak amongst yourselves. I apologize for the absence. Yes. Um, I shall be right back. Okay. So, Let's say that probably went to King Kong here and said, well, King well, Hold on, hold on, Brett. Hold on, Brett. Before you get into that, may I ask you this perspective? Godzilla will join us, and the answer is yes. Sure, for this conversation. Uh, don't block your face, though. For the for the sake of briefly jumping back into the coaching carousel conversation here, what school do you think? would be the most at risk as far as if their coach left to go to Alabama? Is it Ole Miss? What one has the most to lose? Is it Texas? What what go to hell, Ole Miss, go to hell. And I'll, and I'll tell you that's exactly what will happen if Lane Kiffin leaves. Ole Miss is one of those programs where they're either competing for the SEC West. I know divisions are gone, but this is this is what I've known, so I'm just throwing that up there. Um, if not a national title, or they're god awful, and there is no in between. It is a zero to a hundred. Um, and Lane Kiffin has been one of the first coaches there to kind of have something that's a little consistent, consistent, all like, and consistency builds. Yeah, uh, Brian, Brian Kelly walked into LSU in, in his first year, and a He's lot introduced of people, consistency. Yeah, a lot of people were haters. He did a lot of success early on, but as you just said, he's introduced consistency, and ultimately you need consistency in a college football program. I don't know much about the NFL, but I can tell you in college, it's not a flip the light switch, money's running. It's more of that with the NIL transfer portal era. But ultimately, even if you get the best stacked team of the of where you get the best defense and the best offense in the portal, it's not like the NFL where next year these guys are probably going to stay because typically the best players are seniors, right? You typically want to build from freshmen, uh, recruit, get into the your system. We talked about a coaching culture at Dennis Allen. Much like that, there's a coaching culture in college. And you want to build your system up, going from freshmen into the culture of your school, ultimately to hopefully graduate seniors, if not juniors, because they're so good they'll go to the defer to the draft their senior year. Okay. And I think ultimately so, Alabama is looking for a coach like that. And I think Lane Kiffin might be one of those coaches. I have one more source uh not source on this, but it, it's kind of seeming as though this is this is reported, is that it seems as though there's already a replacement on hand. That's what I was. Yep. So that's what I was going to say. I got in touch with my, uh, my your guy, unnamed sources, my guy, and uh, there you know, is you know an Tommy absolutely. Oh yeah, you know I got a guy. My guy knows the guy, and sometimes my guy calls his guy, and then they call me, and they tell me things. I'm not yes. going to say what things, but they tell me things. The things. Um, there is absolutely nothing uh, that would lead anyone to believe. Realistically, Eric Bieniemy is a candidate at Alabama and, and at I, this time. At this time, I want to moreover go on and say what to Dave's point. As I said earlier, but wasn't able to finish. There's no way in heck that Nick Saban woke up this morning and said, "You know what, guys? Today's the day." No, this is something that oh, was. Thanks, hey Eric. 
Yeah, this has been something that has been planned for months, um, if not years, most likely months. And and these boosters knew a year. I guarantee everyone in the program has known and has already found a replacement, if not has whittled down to like two or three choices. And realistically, as much as you will see the YouTube Social media ESPN hype train on who's going to be Bama's coach? Is going to be Dion? Is it going to be William Kiffin? Will it be Ogeron? Will it be the resurrected corpse corpse of John Madden and Heisman himself fused together, Dragon Ball Z style? And the answer is that would be pretty cool. I kind of hope it is that last one. I want to see that, but um, I just want to hear John Madden say. Uh, Kamehameha on two. <laughs> <laughs> but the answer, the answer is, um, it's probably going to be a nobody you've never heard. Um, I think a high-profile thing like Bama would probably risk a guy like, and look what Notre Dame did, right? They're having a lot of success going with, I know this guy, dear God, my family, as much as I hate to admit it, is halfway a Notre Dame family. Uh, Dude, yeah, Marcus yeah. Freeman? Yes. Marcus Freeman. Go yes. for it. Marcus Freeman, uh, as much as I wanted him to tell, because I hate Notre Dame, um, he's doing great. And he was a guy under Brian Kelly that no one knew. People ask, who's Notre Dame going to replace Brian Kelly with? Because Notre Dame is one of those prestigious media darling programs, much like Alabama. And I think they're either going to, they're probably not going to hire with him, because truth be told, they didn't do all that good this year. I get they technically made it to the playoffs, but let's be honest, they didn't deserve either. It's probably going to be some nobody from the G5 or whatever, or I'm completely wrong, and it's going to be John Madden fused with Heisman, Necromancy, Dragon Ball Z, Magic. All right. So we got away from college until we kind of got spun back around on that one. Let's get back to, to the NFL. And We've cool, been... Yeah. We talked, about, we talked about everything that, that happened in the game. Uh, now the Saints wait. For the record, if you are uh, a proponent of the FDA mentality, fire Dennis Allen mentality, if you are behind or considering corroborating with the people who have started to go fund me to put up billboards encouraging the firing of Dennis Allen, save your money. So, I just have something to say to those fans, okay? If you're go funding this money to pay to for a billboard for Dennis Allen, why not just go fund that same money into Saints merchandise or directly ask the Saints, hey, is there a way we can contribute this money? Because I bet money. There is. There, there is. If you want your team to truly succeed, having a billboard that says fire Dennis Allen Nothing's going to happen. They're either going to fire him or not. I guarantee that billboard ain't going to change their minds. But you know what? Cold hard cash can buy players. Okay. Black Monday has come and gone. Yeah. Like, Dennis Allen look, is still here. Save your money. Use that to be put into your team or your fandom that which will bring players in that will help your team. I, if, if only that logic spoke to the people. Yeah. But it doesn't. So, look. But hold on. Hold on, let me finish the point. Even better. Save your money. Don't 
don't spend the money on trying to buy billboards. You can put the billboards up. Don't think for a minute that the Saints are unaware that there is that sentiment out there. Don't think that they're not aware of it. They know. They know. Don't think for a second that they care. They don't. They don't. If they wanted to fire Dennis Allen, they would have fired Dennis Allen. They don't want to fire Dennis Allen. And here's why. In the last couple of games of the season, he's actually done pretty well. I will give The offense that. has actually done pretty well. The defense has done very well. Very well. The I mean, biggest drawback in the last five games was the Los Angeles Rams game. And even then, I give them an extra quarter, they might have come back to win that game. So They got, it, much like the Minnesota game, they got too far down, too quick, and they couldn't make it up again. I'm not making excuses for the team. But what I'm telling you is, Dennis Allen just finished his second season as New Orleans Saints head coach. In his first season, he went 7-10. and 10. This year, he went 9-8 and eight with a record that, as far as wins and losses, tied the division leader. Should he, could he have won more games? I'm sure he would sit here and tell you that he would have loved to have had a good handful of those games back. Cough, cough, Green Bay. Green Bay for sure is one. But he did not do poorly enough to be fired. He showed progress. And that's a statement that I made earlier in the season. If Dennis Allen shows progress in the right direction, because that's what progress is, movement in the right direction, they're going to keep him around. He will be here for the next season. So now you, as a fickle fan, have a choice to make. Are you going to be the fan who whines and boohoos because it's not the coach you like, and now you're not going to like the team anymore, and you're not going to you're you're going to give up on your season tickets, and you're not going to go up. I'm going to show them. I'm not going to give them any of my money. There's a waiting list for tickets, and it needs. There to is build. still a diehard, devout fandom. If you don't want those tickets, give them up. Definitely have been on that waiting list for a decade now. I'd love to get off it. If my grandfather could survive 1990s LSU, and I can survive 2021 LSU, you can survive 2023 Saints. If you are an FDA constituent, there is a Saints bandwagon. Choice is yours. Get on it. Get off it. Dennis Allen is going to be here next season. So that's the way it looks. With that said, you just, you got to, you have to accept it. Yeah. Speaking about seasons. And with that said, that's, that's exactly the transition. Producer Brett, you were on the money tonight. I think we got something to say about it. We have some things to say about our seasons, what we're thinking here. Hold on. Before we get into our seasons. Okay. You're talking about our collection. Our seasons. Yes. Yeah. I have I have one last season note okay. that I would like to say uh, regarding the New Orleans Saints. Please do. Next season's schedule hasn't come out yet, and as far as Dates. who we're going to play, when, and you know, but we do know who our opponents are going to be, and whether they're going to be home and away opponents. Some very interesting key marquee matchups. You know that we're going to have our division rivals, Atlanta, Carolina, and Tampa. We're going to split them once at home and once away. So away this year, we're going to travel on down to take on them boys, Mm. the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to get another shot at Green Bay and Lambeau. 
Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs in KC. The Chargers, who are going to have a brand new coach next season. And the New York Giants, who I'll be interested to see how what they do in the offseason. With Heisman? It's the home games that I'm actually more interested in, and not just because I'm going to be there. We have the Washington Commanders. Okay. We have the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town. That could be interesting. Depending on how things would have worked out, if uh, if the Saints would have won the division, oh, yeah. been hand up to we'd have been hosting the Eagles this weekend. So Indeed. Here's to see how that might work. We get the Los Angeles Rams back at home, which could be just as ugly as an Atlanta Falcons game. Very much. We have the Cleveland Browns coming to town. And then we have these last two games. Which one do you think will be a more interesting matchup? Garrett Carr versus the Las Vegas Raiders? Dennis Allen versus the Denver Broncos? Denver Broncos. Sean yeah. Payton and the, and the Denver Saints are coming back to the Caesar Superdome next season. I definitely say it's going to be the Sean Payton game. That's going to be... Uh, that's a game Dennis Allen has to win. That is the must-win circle the calendar. You have to win that or you're going to hear it. I'm going to say this right now. I want whenever that game is, I want y'all to mark your calendar. Oh yeah, we're, we're gonna be there. Because oh, gonna... for the week prior to that game, or if it's the game coming back from a bye, for the two weeks prior to that game, you are gonna see a whole bunch of water boy memes mm-hmm. with Henry Winkler and Coach Red Bow you because <laughs> it's gonna be the battle of the bourbon bowl about which coach is going to be the the which which coach is going to come out the winner. This is my bi-monthly opportunity to shame producer Brett and take his Louisiana card for never watching <laughs> The Water Boy. <laughs> You've never seen The Water Boy? That, 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 that's some high quality H2O. I Donald watches one of my many hundred plus movies I put on films for him and his girlfriend to watch. Our next producer, it has to be a, prere- a prerequisite that they've watched all the football movies. It's going to be a very interesting season next season. It will definitely not be the cupcake this season was supposed to be. Yeah. So fans, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. You yeah, see, I just watched um, Forrest Gump and then pre- mm-hmm. pretend in my mind he's playing for LSU and then completely disregard who the coach he's actually playing for. To be fair, I think that's what a lot of people did growing up. I personally... Uh, have disconnected that from a uh, big old yeah, now, grid you know, for a while. I watched an edited version where I edited out those scenes. <laughs> the story's a little confusing, but hey. All right. Uh, we do have to look back. Indeed. We did have one game that we predicted just for fun. It was the Saints-Falcons game. Uh, that game was a runaway. 48-17. It was the first time the Saints put more than 40 points on anybody this season. Uh, Brett and I both felt pretty good that the Saints were going to win and they were only going to allow 17 points. I said 23. I was the furthest away. Brett said 24, so he was one point closer. Donald saw it being a higher scoring game, said 35-14. This one was just for fun. But the funding goes to Donald. So congratulations to you, sir. You get the dick. 
Uh, that was looking back. Now it's time to look ahead. Uh, so we here at the Boot Sports Network have been putting on boots to balls since the beginning of football season, uh, right before yeah. the NFL preseason got started. And we have loved everything that we have done, all the time that we've gotten to spend with you guys. And we appreciate all the interaction. Uh, we are the Boot Sports Boot Network. Sport. And like any good network does, there is a variety of programming uh, that that network wants you to enjoy. And that is our goal. That's our mission statement as well. So Boots to Balls, as you have come to enjoy it, uh, is going to kind of phase out. This is going to be our football program. So when football season swings back around, we're going to get back into it full swing. Does that mean that we are going away? No. No. We are still going to keep things going on all of our social media channels, so make sure that you're following us. Uh, we are also on TikTok. I don't believe that's in the ticker. Uh, look for Boot Sports Network on all your social media channels because we are going to be updating you as news breaks. There's going to be lots of big off-season developments, so you are still going to hear from us. And to make sure that we get a chance to go over those off-season developments with you, we'll probably come back and we'll have a monthly episode of Boots to Balls just to make sure you guys aren't missing out on anything. Absolutely. So what's going to happen on the Boot Sports Network in the interim? Glad you asked. We're working on a variety of different new programs. And as soon as we get all the final details for those programs, we are going to be sharing them with you. Just another reason you're going to want to be connected to all of our social media channels. That way you'll know what the next show is going to be, when it's going to be coming out. I happen to know that my guy Donald Dunn is a super big basketball fan. And I might have done really well with it this season, but he's a way bigger fan than I am. So he may be jumping on the hardwood to tackle the Pelicans, not Physical. literally. But uh, he may be covering uh, the Pelicans in the rest of their season. Of course, we're going to see what the LSU National Championship baseball team does uh, in the boys of summer. So there are going to be things to keep your eyes out for, for sure. Make sure that you don't give up on us Boots to Balls is still going to be here, and uh, we're going to resume our weekly operations once we get back in the throes of football season. But definitely make sure that you're following us so you can be a part of our draft spectacular for all of our other off-season episodes. Uh, we are going to miss you in the interim, but we look forward to the next chance that we get it to uh, to hang out with you guys. In the meanwhile, before we go, anything anybody else wants to say? Absolutely. Um, I'll go ahead and give a little bit of the details here on the upcoming programming because, you know, who doesn't love spoilers? So basically, uh, the newest show that you all will see that's going to resume a more regular frequency like you've seen in this fr uh, weekly format for Boots to Balls will be a unnamed basketball project. Much like Dave alluded to there, I will be the main host on this program and we'll be taking each week a look at the Pelicans in focus and also spreading our attention as we get closer to the March Madness season of many of the outstanding stellar college basketball programs around the state, be it the LSU Lady Tigers, be it the McNeese Cowboys with Coach Will Wade leading them towards what could potentially be an outstanding run in the tournament. It's going to be a fun springtime on the Boot Sports and Network. If you want to see it, be sure to follow us. Subscribe. On TikTok. That's right. Instagram. Boom. Facebook. Tell them. X. One more. Um, 
And wherever you like to watch the Boot Sports Network, we're going to be yes. there. You let us know. And look, if we're not, if we're not covering, if we're not covering your team, let us know. Say, hey, I noticed that you guys are talking about this, but hey, I think the Boot Sports Network needs this. You can go to bootsportsnetwork.com, head to the comment section on the website, and send us a message telling us all the details of what you'd like to see, not only whenever the new Boots to Balls football-only show comes out, but any of our other future programming. We are once again so thankful for the 20 episodes that we spent with you this fall and winter, and we look forward as we go through our spring programming, as well as next year, into our regular weekly programming once again. We appreciate all of you Boot Sports followers. Uh, thank you for joining us on a fantastic first season of Boots to Balls. On behalf of producer Brett, Donald Dunn, and myself, David Storm, we look forward to season two. Like we said, make sure that you like and follow. Make sure you like and follow <laughs> us on all the social medias so you don't miss out on any of those new programs and make sure that you don't stop our psycho stalker producer Brett from tracing your IP and finding out where you live. Because uh, he fun. actually fun. do it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next time for another coverage outkicking episode of Boots, Boots to Balls. Thanks so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.